0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the blog on African agriculture called Africa Kilimo. We have named it Africa Kilimo because Kilimo means agriculture.
1: We were planning for a few experts, right? Neeraj, to join us for this call. Yes, Ashu. We were planning and those calls
0: are lined up. And the first call is with an agricultural practitioner. Hi, Ashu. We have a very interesting guest today and has managed projects in Africa also. And his name is Mr. Anil Rawat. Uh, We'll be talking to him about his experiences, about his uh, view, how he felt and what are the challenges in African agriculture and his insights as to what is the possible solution for the African agriculture. So, Mr. Anil. Welcome yeah. to this podcast, Thank Africa you. Thank you. Our podcast is the only podcast on African agriculture at the moment and it is the first one. A okay. very warm welcome to you and we'll begin with your background as to what you did. It'll be good to know your background and then your work in Africa. So kindly take the mic, Anil. Okay.
2: Yeah, thank you, Mr. Niraj, for joining me on this uh, podcast. Myself, uh, Anil Rawat, I'm basically from Dehradun district of Uttarakhand State. I did my schooling from Dehradun itself, then uh, graduation in agriculture from Pantanagar University. And after that, I did MBA from the same college, College of Agribusiness Management, Pantanagar, and uh, got chance. Uh, after completing this MBA, I got a chance uh, to join uh, Adani Group as a management trainee where I learned a lot of things about fruits and vegetables uh, right from procurement up to processing, then it's storage, processing and then to marketing. After that, I got a chance to join the Ruchi Group for three years. I got chance to uh, join Ruchi Group where I got a great opportunity to work uh, with Arvind Jam. He was CEO at that time in Ruchi Group. He gave an uh, overseas project to me just study all the African countries and in mm-hmm. those African countries, we need to identify which is the most suitable country where company can invest as an investor. So after uh, involving, there was a team of uh, seven or eight people and we identified that uh, Ethiopia is the most uh, suitable country where company can invest on agriculture projects. On preparation of that project, we make detailed project report, we studied all about Ethiopian agriculture, the previous last 10, 20 years history, which region is suitable which uh, region is suitable for agriculture and uh, in different aspects we studied in that detailed project report which a particular crop is suitable for which region like that we studied. So, then, uh, uh,
0: in, in your study, Anil, I just interjecting, in your study, would you tell our audience uh, which were the crops which you zeroed on and which were the areas within Ethiopia uh, which you found suitable and then we'll move from there, Anil?
2: Yeah, yeah. See, basically what we studied, the Ethiopia, there are three climatic zones basically. One is cool zone, another one is temperate, then and the last uh, third one is a, a tropical zone or you can say a low land also. And mm-hmm. The thing is that the temperate zone and cool zone, their area, in those areas the land cost, the rented uh, land cost in those areas is a little higher than this uh, lowland areas and the, their government they want to develop the lowland areas because in lowland areas basically this gambela regions Gambela regions comes under lowland and uh, the go- Ethiopian government wants to develop that particular areas because uh, so uh, the empl- uh,
0: employment rate must also be low in the lowlands is it not?
2: Yeah, yeah yeah employment rate and the poverty is more I- higher okay uh, yeah okay. high second, okay. high infrastructure was uh, as such uh, no connectivity of roads electricity nothing was at that time because in 2010 we started so at that time uh, very less uh, infrastructure development was uh, there uh, nearly a decade back yeah mm-hmm.
0: so you entered a- Africa at a time when it was on the upward curve of
2: growth right yeah Yeah. you can say you can say that so uh, what were the crops uh, Anil, which you took in yeah, the- for, for this particular project actually Ruchi- we are uh, in routine. Is soya company, which right, right, is right. basically a soybean based company only? This uh-huh. so our focus was for soybean only in the okay. starting phase. So, so that means soya you
0: majorly took soybean crop in the area which the you area. said it was something around 200 hectares which you had mentioned while uh, we were discussing
2: earlier. See, we got uh, we got permission for 25,000 hectares land in okay. Gambela area uh-huh. and they gave uh-huh. us patch of uh, almost you can say 25,000 hectares. But out of that uh, 3,000 or 4,000 hectares area comes uh, under a uh, little, you can say, downward and remaining uh-huh. is a little upward. Okay. So that what can say the vegetation was uh, little fierce in that uh, 1,000, 2,000 hectares. hectares. Okay. But remaining but was with, a very dense. Yeah, yeah.
0: But even with sparse uh, vegetation, it is difficult to reclaim land. So, how I understand is you first reclaim, uh, reclaimed land and then started yeah. cultivation of soybean Thank there. You.
2: Yes, 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 it was a purely a forest area and vegetation. Somewhere it's very dense, somewhere it was little less dense, somewhere it was sparse. But and from where did is- you get the uh, seed for this, Anil? Uh, seed we got uh, we got from Ethiopian uh, enterprises there seed enterprise I see. from them okay. only two or three varieties they have we got from them but I at that time what we was,
0: what was the approximate yield of this crop which you were taking approximately It's say 2 ton per per hectare you can say 2 ton per hectare so uh, suppose this soybean is grown in other countries of africa with nearly similar agroclimatic uh, zones would it be feasible to get similar kind
2: of yields uh, you, we can say that actually Soyabin is a short day plant, ah, ah, is short, short day plant. it needs proper climatic condition, suitable climatic condition for specifically for soybean. if cool. you are doing it in highland area and mm-hmm. those highland areas consider say are, uh, where climate is tropical or temperate in mm-hmm. those areas the soybean is not that much successful I see because in India also if you see the uh, MP is the most uh, suitable state yeah. where Suitable region. After that, right, time, right, right. so like that, the condition we found that in Gambela area, uh-huh. uh, that is little lowland also and a suitable for soybean. That's the only region company went. So there. that means
0: when you had surveyed different African countries from the point of view of growing soybean, which other country other than Ethiopia would be somewhere near that, which you may not have taken because of the commercial or financial reasons, but. And look,
2: climatically, which country do you think would be more suitable? See, as such, uh, I am not a perfect person for this to say. But yeah, I studied about Meda Meda Achha, Madagascar. Madagascar is one. Some, yeah, some areas uh, I studied. But uh, that area is also suitable. Uh, it's not like that other areas are not suitable. But in just uh, like in South Sudan, just the uh, border of uh, Gambela. I see. So, so that means so that, uh, that area is also suitable. So like that, uh, suitability is there in African. But the thing is, we have to study. All these things, all the parameters related to crops. Absolutely.
1: And that brings me to another question, uh, Anil. Hi, this is Ashu. Yes, yes, Ashu. You know the kind. I just wanted to understand uh, what kind of challenges would you have faced in the entire process? Do you think there were something unique specific to Ethiopia, or do you think there were there could be some which are common across some other countries also from agriculture's perspective.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there are number of challenges are there. In the starting when we went there in Ethiopia, we found ourselves uh, that we are coming in a very different world, different areas. Mm-hmm. Because we started comparing everything with Indian conditions. Mm-hmm. Indian conditions like because we have since from childhood, we work in India. And seen how agriculture is going on, how people working, availability of uh, infrastructures in India is everywhere mm-hmm. is there. But uh, mm-hmm. when we went in Ethiopia, uh, that challenges in the initial phase we found that right? because infrastructure, okay. the basic necessity is the road. Then your electricity, even for mm-hmm. farmer also road connectivity must be must be there, and electricity must be there. So these right. type of challenges we found there. When, uh, then okay. the second thing, uh, your irrigation availability. Mostly okay. in that area, uh, farmers or local investors, they are taking only one crop in a year. They totally dependent, totally okay. dependent on rainfall only. Oh. So, that type of challenges are there Mm -hmm.
0: and Ashu I think this is one phenomena which I also saw across different countries in Africa the biggest challenge irrigation and they depend on rainfall and are able to take only one crop so if we are able to overcome this challenge of availability of water I think a lot of boost can be given to agriculture in Africa so this is one of the major problems and as far as seeds are concerned did you feel there's anything lacking in the seeds or availability on time or
2: requisite like, quality and I uh, see as far as uh, for seed uh, what I find a uh, quality of seed is whatever varieties uh, coming in the market or growers are able to take whether uh-huh. those varieties are suitable for that particular climatic condition or not that type of studies I have not found anywhere because so I, I, I studied oh. uh, this token seed enterprise also uh, for maize crop they are working they are uh, doing good study but for soybean specifically, I am not able to find anything properly they did. But I think only we are the first investors in Ethiopia who worked soy on soybean. Very
0: good. So that means you are pioneers in uh, soybean cultivation in Africa
2: on can, a large scale. Yeah, on
0: a large scale, you yes, can say yes. that. And Ashu, uh, it would be also interesting to know from Anil quickly as to what is the kind of uh, farmers or training the farmers have and what kind of training they would require. Anil, could you help us understand that?
2: What I observed in the initial phase, mm-hmm. nobody have uh, this smartphone. Okay. I see. But uh, okay. after working, when I went in, in starting 2010 people used to have a small techno phone techno is there small techno phone yes have have a good battery backup of uh, 10 hour 12 hour mm-hmm. or two, even or 2 days but a smartphone type it was not there but when in 2014 15 the uh, users increases of these huh, smartphones. Right. Almost uh, everyone have these smartphones. I see. Right, so, right. so, slowly, slowly, uh, they are adopting new technologies. This is what I have observed there, and they are very keen for uh, adopting the new technologies. So,
1: a question there, Anil. I'm sorry, maybe I'm stepping back a bit, but when you were working there, uh, as in Ruchi Soya invested, were you also involving small farmers? and uh, working with them on their land or was it you bought the land completely and then did the work?
2: See, as such, not direct contact with the small farmers. We are restricted to our work only, but we used to visit uh, different farmers, even local investors. Uh, We are closely, Mm. um, whatever helps we need or they need, We used to, they also give us guidance and we are also advising them. So, So what kind of
1: discussions would happen in those circumstances? How did you help them or how did they help you? uh, That would be interesting uh, to know. uh,
2: Basically, like suppose some um, insect attack is there in their crop. So, Mm. how, uh, which uh, pesticide, which uh, they have to use or like that. Just uh, there is lack of education which I have found specifically on uh, agriculture front, which technical technical mm-hmm. know-how There uh, even local investors those who are investing for agriculture uh, taking crop even they mm-hmm. are not technically that much strong on this uh, okay so
0: you act- feel that agricultural extension activity and the technical know-how and capacity building is required for the African farmer or even the technical person who is managing the uh, farms over there ah,
2: yes 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 this is uh, uh, these are required and the second thing what I have observed see in India we have a uh, land holding, we have a uh, land holding, small land holding farmers generally. Right. Have. Big farmers are very less, uh-huh. mostly yeah, are small is. farmers like uh, one bigha, one acre, two acres, right. three yeah, acres. Yeah, yeah, okay, but uh, this overseas uh, African countries, what I have observed, there are large patches of land right. and large patches of forest which their, their government uh, used to give to investors or local investors or foreign investors, like see. 100 mm-hmm. hectare 200 hectare 500 hectares. so those particular patches uh, which uh, are uh, which they are giving for uh, this uh, cultivation uh, for cultivation for development uh-huh. uh, that, uh, that uh, like through gis, GIS technique uh-huh. we can uh, we can study that particular patches and way because small right. a small area, small area studying a small area is not I giving so accurate you are, so you are but
0: using gis technology to yes, yes. basically map your land and to know about the quality of the land quality
2: right? of the land yeah yeah second so thing that satellite image you can get and through that satellite image you can study which particular patches of the this large patch of land, problem is mm-hmm. there. So like that, uh, this this technology is, uh, is more useful in African countries, which I have observed. Because in India, it's a very small, very small already. One record, two very record. interesting There, it's large the... So so just one question, Anil. I'm sorry. Uh, is the
1: government, like, for example, you were in Ethiopia for a long time? Is the government trying to use some of these technologies, or is it still a stage that they want to, but they are either not capable of, or these services are not available there?
2: See, I was. I came back in 2017 from Ethiopia, right. and uh, before before that, uh, I have not found anywhere such techniques that the government is okay. right, using or someone is using. Only even we are using through GPS only. Have, for, right. That is okay. that for only. ...or farm boundary or demarcation of farm boundary. <laughs> that okay. much use only we are doing. Very but cool. now that I studied, I come back to India. Then I involved in this GIS technique also. Then I learned okay at that time we can also do that. But uh, so, the technology... Ah, was not okay.
0: So that means, Anil, given a chance, if you go back to Africa or you advise african farmers you will say start with gis technology have good seed train your farmers yes. have your soils tested do a scientific way to get good crop returns from the land do you agree yeah,
2: with yeah, me right. yeah i am agree with you and <laughs> if you if you see the example in india there is one company from bangalore its cropin companies there uh-huh. they are doing this uh, gis technique they are mapping this entire even they are working in overseas also and the model I, especially for yield estimation, mapping entire plot, giving feedback to growers that in your field, this problem in that particular patch problem is there. So that thing is good. Like that technology Very we can adopt in Ethiopia also or in African countries. So Wonderful. what we'll do on this, is
0: we'll request you again sometime down the line to come again on our podcast and enlighten our listeners to it. And it's been wonderful wonderful talking to you. We didn't have this idea of uh, the land, GIS mapping and all, which you did in Ethiopia. We thought it is a norm. We took it for granted, but it's not that (laughs) (laughs) In fact, the uh, opportunity uh, uh, probably... Sorry, yeah, yeah.
2: And I'll carry on. Yeah, yeah, I can connect you with these experts also. Yes, yes.
0: It'll be good. We'll be interacting with them also to know this in depth so that our listeners who are interested can get in touch and they can adopt these technologies on their farms or on the panel if they are devising policies for the government. It will be very, very helpful, uh, Anil. I'm thankful to you that you could join us at a very, very short notice. Very kind of you. Thanks a lot, Anil, and we'll be in touch. Absolutely. And
1: uh, in fact, uh, some of the points that Anil has raised, maybe we can have separate discussions on each of them as we go along. Yes. Uh, We
0: also invite you to... Keep listening to our podcast, Anil, and we'll be having you (laughs) back again.
2: Thank you. Thanks a lot. Very kind of you. you, Thanks, Anil. Have a wonderful day.
1: It was great to talk to Anil and to get corporate agricultural perspective practitioner. And it was so interesting to see how he has been able to identify the key issues in terms of irrigation being a problem, infrastructure being an issue and the opportunities that exist if we were to go for GIS, geographical information systems to map agriculture, the soils and various other things in Africa. And this certainly provides an interesting path for the future ahead. Yes, in fact, Ashu, see, when we talk of growth in agriculture,
0: generation of employment, better production, increasing the productivity of the crops, of the land, and input use efficiency. At some point, we have to include corporate agriculture without doubt. As we know, as of now, the farms in Africa are basically the family farms. So, a model has to be zeroed on where the family farms, these small farmers who have less than two hectares of land, can pool their land together without losing the ownership. Maybe a form of cooperative farming, maybe a, a form of farmer producer organizations where uh, the farmer producer companies like we have in India take shape. So there are various alternatives and we'll be talking to more practitioners in the field to see the feasibility across the continent because something which which works in Ethiopia may or may not work in Nigeria, may or may not work in Kenya or Zambia, but the contours are more or less the same the only thing is some administrative legal or other protocols
1: may have to be followed may be different so that is where we'll have to keep indeed. investigating indeed and just one interesting point that comes to my mind right now is i was reading about this fao there was there was an article from fao on a recent meeting that was uh, that happened in ghana in march where Private sector investments in agriculture was being talked of in a big way. Uh, particularly, keeping in mind that while on one hand we have the Malabo uh, Declaration from the governments about increasing investment in capital uh, in agriculture, we need private sector investment. And there, your point about GIS uh, investments in agriculture and Anil's points about infrastructure, making better infrastructure, all come together. Uh, you know, interestingly. In February, there was
0: a news which was very concerning. And this news was that swarms of locusts, desert locusts had been spotted in Northern Africa and the Eastern Africa. And uh, these uh, the measures to uh, get control of these swarms were started immediately. FO has also pitched in. Uh, but the uh, problem is immediate availability of funds. FO estimated something like 76 million dollars uh, to be available, but only twenty odd million dollars uh, could be arranged. Nevertheless, they have been uh, taking very good steps consulting the countries and trying to control these swamps difficulty is as of now it is under control but the hopper bands as they call are being identified increasing number of these new swarms are forming in northern and central kenya southern ethiopia and somalia and the fear is they'll start breeding and start moving towards the north in the month of may after these bands breed so that is the biggest challenge and these kind of challenges have been coming off and on, on a very regular basis in Africa. So we'll have to incorporate this kind of threat and risk when we talk of African agriculture. It has to be part of the main policies of different countries. Hi, Ashu. We have a very eminent scientist, a soil scientist from the first agriculture university in India, that is G.V. Panth University at Pantnagar. He has done some very good work in Nigeria, especially in and around the Niger Delta. He will be enlightening us on different crops, different soil conditions in Nigeria in in particular and African continent in general. Welcome to our podcast, Africa Kilimo, Dr. Ganiotri. It's a pleasure to have you with us and interact with you to get your inputs for this podcast uh, which is a pan-Africa podcast called Africa Kilimo, and Kilimo means agriculture in Swahili. So, first, we would like to know and learn what work did you do in the Niger Delta, Dr. Nehotri, Please. Uh, uh,
3: thank you, Neeraj and uh, Ashudosh. I'll be uh, talking about my work at the Edo Estate in, at the Ilushi Farm in Nigeria. Right, it sir. sir. A, it it was a big farm of twenty-two thousand acres. And most of it was under the marshy condition. That is, it was waterlogged at most of the places. The location was just uh, next to Niger River, which is a big river in uh, Africa. And during flood time, the water comes uh, comes into this area. And when flood recedes, the water goes out. But still, a lot of water remains stagnant in this area. So, government was thinking to uh, make it productive, So they asked us for some solution to this area. So that was uh, our uh, main task. So when we went there, we found almost 60% of area was thick marsh and there were Uh, reptiles there and earlier few companies they surveyed but they could not do the soil survey properly because of those uh, bad conditions but somehow we we could do the soil testing and all those things which are needed for uh, any agriculture and
0: and what were your main uh, conclusions when you did soil testing and uh, other surveys what kind of soils were there and what kind of crops could be grown in those soils uh, dr gudinathri
3: yeah. Uh the soils were very acidic and if we go by the true scientific uh, measurements, those were around 2.8 to 3.4, highly acidic soils. And, and what really, would have been the reason for uh, the soils being acidic, sir? Uh, the reason is that uh, laterite was the main geological uh, foundation for this area. I see. And we were fortunate to see some of the profiles. Now, that made... The difference. Reports say that acidic, uh, the soils were acidic. We also get the soil tested and they were acidic. But this area falls into a, a region where a lot of uh, sediment comes and settles. That is the alluvial sort of thing. Because so, of the Niger River? Because of the Niger River. Right. Yeah, from other places, uh, river and leaving sediments after the floods over, so I see. almost twenty feet of the good soil was available there. Achau, uh, so,
0: and that that, I, that uh, depth is, I think, sufficient
3: for most of the crops. It is very good. Uh, Such a deep soil is uh, not found everywhere, so it is a treasure for them, in spite of being uh, acidic. uh, We planned the cultivation of rice, though it is not recommended, but somehow we got some method to keep the uh, soil moist because of the excessive water there, it was possible. So, we advise that you go for the rice cultivation, even and, in those acidic types. And,
0: and these rice varieties, they were the varieties which were uh, suitable for uh, Africa or were they adopted from the Southeast Asia?
3: Uh, in Africa, they grow rice, uh, a round type of uh, rice, but that is not all that productive. So, we suggested them some varieties from the Southeast Asia, that is uh, from the Erie, uh, and in those varieties are popular also there and they are getting more popular and, uh, time to time. So we advise them to go for that variety and they agree to it. Okay. And, and I think
0: the, the major rice growing regions in Africa are basically Egypt, Senegal, Nigeria, Ghana. And there is a center for, uh, I think it's called Africa rice situated at Abidjan in Code, I, I, Ivory Coast or Koti d'Ivoire. Could you repeat that, sir? Because the audio, uh, we missed the audio in the transmission.
3: Hello, from ED and other South Eastern.
0: I see. Could you repeat that, sir? Once again, uh, the audio was not uh, very good at this time.
3: Okay, 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 There's a center for the African Rice Research, and they are doing very good work. But right. they are they are also now taking. Varieties from the ERI International Rice Research Institute. To adopt them, yes. And those are also suitable for cultivation in this area.
0: Uh, Ashu, would you like to ask Dr. Agnihotri any pertinent point which you feel uh, would help the listeners of Africa Kilimo podcast?
1: Dr. Gneotri, I was uh, given that you have had such a long experience in Asia, in Africa. Are there? What do you think are the main challenges to African agriculture, um, if you could start with that?
3: Ashur, the main challenge is uh, in Africa, the labor and the capital in the farming. Okay. Capital, uh, capital for input? Capital for inputs means farmers, they are not very well, uh, say provided with the financial assistance from the <coughs> cooperatives and other agencies. The main problem is, yeah, the, it's uh, uh, is th- that is of labor. Timely labor is not available and the farmers, they don't get good capital uh, assistance from the cooperatives or from the government agencies.
0: Uh, so that what I can interpret, Ashu, from what uh, Dr. Hutri said, that means labor is not available in time and the Capacities or the training is also uh, not very good for the labor. So that means they need the capacities for these uh, this labor need to be increased. Uh, am I right, Dr.
3: Vinayakri? Yeah, exactly. I meant that. Uh, sir,
1: does it therefore mean that agriculture universities? For example, we grew up in an agriculture university, the Pantnagar University, the first one in India. You were there, of course, as a professor. And agriculture extension has been a major part of the work of the universities.
3: Is that not happening in African universities? Uh, no, they are trying. But okay. this uh, extension work is very disjointed. So okay. they, they need to strengthen their extension services and uh, they are trying. And hopefully, with some intervention, it can be set on the path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ashu, please go on.
1: Yeah, so that was, so the, So we have identified two. And in fact, what Dr. Agneotri said, we were reading from the document where, uh, you know, the document near that we were discussing the other day about the state of ag- African agriculture. Right. Where I think the Malo Declaration was talking of trying to increase the capital investment into agriculture from all governments. Yes, by pooling them
0: at one place and they have a big program called CAA. DP which spearheads this effort and uh, a lot has been done on that program that's the comprehensive African agriculture development program and I think a lot more needs to be done and yeah. sir what what strategies would you suggest besides Nigeria for the African yeah. continent as such because Africa when we say is a huge continent with deserts on the top central tropical uh, rainforests in the central African region and savannah towards the east and south
3: rich. Uh, I'd like to emphasize that our food in the next decade is going to come from Africa. That's Um, very encouraging. Yeah, yeah. But we have to improve a few conditions there uh, so that we have good agriculture there. The soils are good, the weather is good, everything is congenial for a very very good agriculture. So only thing we have to strategize to get the maximum potential out of those uh, good uh, conditions and for that I suggest that first they should have an inventory of the land and the natural resources. At the moment, they are not aware what good quality soils and weather conditions are there. And a lot of natural resources are underutilized. So I'll suggest that they should have a, uh, ge- a GIS, Geographic Information System. We should have all the uh, information about the geology, drainage, soil and vegetable condition of the area. And that will give you idea the best suitable crop for that particular area.
0: And I think that's a very good uh, suggestion, sir, because India a long time ago had made the soil map of India. And I think you are also part of those efforts where Soil Map of India was made, I think a similar exercise for African continent is required. And given the technology available on the net or satellite uh, mapping and survey, I think this is one of the pertinent areas where the focus would be.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And interesting that our earlier conversation was also talking of GIS when we were discussing Ethiopia. And Dr. Gnitri's input, of course, is so valid on that. Very interesting. Yeah.
0: And sir, we would be requesting you once in a while to spare time and come to our podcast uh, because there will be questions now which the listeners of this podcast would be having i would request you to answer those queries of course at a convenient time suitable to you and thanks a lot sir for being with us today it was very enlightening to know in brief
3: i'll always be available to this wonderful work you are doing you're most welcome
0: thank you sir thanks a lot That was the interview with Dr. Agnihotri. He elaborated on the challenges of agriculture. What are your takes on the challenges to African agriculture which Dr. Agnihotri elaborated?
1: Thanks, Neeraj. And I think it was a great interaction we had with Dr. Agnihotri who has worked across Asia and Africa. And it was so interesting to know from him, given his work in the Niger Delta on the challenges like availability of labor, capacity building of labor, availability of investments to agriculture and uh, that connects with so many other points that we have had earlier also in Anil Rawat's interview and earlier discussions and the documents we have been reading. Dr. Agniyotri also pointed out about the fact that while Africa can be the future for the world's food, it is imperative that we go ahead with soil mapping and usage of geographical information systems, GIS, to be able to get to know exactly where we stand and plan our strategies around it. So, I think it's been... It's been very interesting to hear his views.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, In fact, the most interesting part which I found, besides whatever you have mentioned, they were there, was about soil testing. We have a map of India. Why can't we have a similar soil map of Africa? It will be a huge task covering 54 countries, but nothing is impossible. With the kind of agriculture institutes which are spread out in African continent, there are six of them, Abidjan in uh, Addis Ababa, in Nigeria, they are spread across the continent. So why not make the best use of it? A collaborative effort. And when we are looking at Africa being the next food bowl, these things should be put in place so that the best available resources of the world can be put to good use where world will benefit with food coming out of africa and the african people will benefit from selling that food or exporting instead of being importers they'll become net exporters and that is what the vision of these countries should be
1: absolutely and um, so very well put we were talking of intra africa trade where we have we had earlier in our discussions in uh, we talked of the free trade agreement that has hap- that has been signed by african countries to enhance trade amongst them. And that is an interesting opportunity which has to be used to create employment opportunities, to provide food, to reduce poverty. And we, when we talk of investments and a point that you made just now about investments into agriculture, if we can connect the private sector investments with the government investments and connect the agricultural institutions, the universities to provide enhanced agriculture extension services to the farmers, I think we can bring together the best of the resources to get the results we expect and we want. Neeraj? Exactly.
0: That is what needs to be done. It has to be an integrated effort, Uh, all parts, the scientists, the extension workers, and the farmers. All three have to come together And all these will be led by the policymakers and our international institutes and forums working in Africa for the betterment of uh, their countries, for increasing food, providing food security because not only food, the next century, the run up to the next century will see African population growing because the population growths are amongst the highest as of now in the world. So even if the net reproduction rate reaches 1, there will be enough population momentum to take them Nearly 60 years to stabilize their population. That can be achieved, as can the food production. It's been a wonderful uh, journey uh, in this podcast, Ashu. And next time, we hope we'll have some bankers or some experts on finance who can plug in whatever we have left. And the listeners of Africa Kilimo should be writing now. And our email is africa.kilimo at gmail.com. Please keep writing. Give your feedback, your questions, your suggestions we are waiting for them and
1: for the final word ashu absolutely it's been lovely talking to the experts and as you rightly said we look forward to more such interactions with experts and and the the fascinating bit is the directions that are emerging from our discussions whether it is in terms of private sector gis infrastructure finance and so on so we hope to have great interactions in the future and uh, we look forward to hearing from our listeners at our email Africa, A-F-R-I-C-A dot Kilimo, K-I-L-I-M-O at gmail.com. Thanks.